Perception. Architecture. Radio. Hello, welcome to Perception Architecture Radio. This is a podcast about the relationship between the mind, the body, belief systems, and reality. So it's more a show about perception than it is about architecture and how when we change our relationships with reality by deconstructing and reconstructing belief systems and cultural narratives, the reality we experience begins to change. So basically, anything to do with that and living better and becoming more you for the better of you and everyone else. That's mostly what this is about. I suppose more than anything, it's really me trying to understand myself better. And so as I do that, then maybe other people can learn some stuff too. Just figuring stuff out, really. Not that complicated. It'll be like one big, long, ongoing conversation. So thanks for your time. Thanks for being here. Thanks for getting involved. I hope you enjoy the show. Welcome back. This is part two of Perception Architecture Radio, having a conversation with George Bertelstein. And I think as far as we left it off in the last one, we were talking about not picking up big steaming piles of thoughts and all of that stuff that you don't need to... It's really interesting, though, because it you do feel this compulsion like to, to head back into the, the filth of, like, mm, here it is, maybe I could just go and worry about that thing a little bit more, and then one of the things I like about George's approach is, like, yeah, you don't really need to do that. It's, it's like, yeah, I didn't know that I didn't need to do that, but now that I know, I might not do that. At least as much, but we'll see. Anyway, there's more wisdom and gems and love in part two. So without more of me talking, here's some more of George talking and me talking a little bit, but mostly George. What the medicine's going to show you is empty is good. You like it because there's nothing in it, right? It's like once something in it, you could put something in it. You know, you could say, wow, this is really interesting. Do you see what I'm saying? Instead of, oh my God, I don't know what's going on. So it's like you become in charge of this emptiness that you created yourself by asking for everything that's not serving you to go away for a little while, which it does. It just goes away. Where does it go? I don't know. It goes to the place where all the stuff that we don't need goes. You know, it's like (laughs) the attic, right? It's the place where we make nightmares and foolishness and imagination and fantasy. You know, it's, it's right there. You can go get it anytime you want to. It's mm-hmm. not going to get hidden from you. You, know, you. you will not be lost. But if you don't want it, you could go and look at that steaming pile and you could go, uh, not right now. It's too much work. Yeah. It's a lot of work. Yeah. Um, this it's interesting though, because there was one thing in your book, uh, there's lots of things in your book, but one of the things that jumped out to me, because I'm kind of, I've noticed this about myself. I'm always in kind of dreams and dreaming about things and kind of overthinking and getting lost there. And one of the things that jumped out at me was when this line, uh, sometimes we have to talk back to our dreams. Sometimes we have to drag them out from behind the veil of sleep and turn them over and shine a light on them so we can see them as bare and empty as anything else that isn't real. And that really kind of struck me. I was like, wow, that's, it's almost counterintuitive to the way that our cultural narrative has kind of spun itself. Because it, a lot of times you hear this kind of follow your dreams, follow your dreams kind of thing. And, you know, there's, there's something better around the corner, just envision it. And so I was really curious to talk to you about what, what dreams are um, for a start and then what our proper relationship should be with them. Yeah, well, the thing that I learned uh, from medicine was that there's actually two things. There's dreams and visions. Mm. So a dream is just an amalgamation of spare thoughts. It's like there's an attic. It's full of trunks. The trunks have costumes in them and toys and writings, et cetera, et cetera. It's the accumulated detritus of our own consciousness and also the consciousnesses that preceded us. And there's a collective unconscious, which Jung talked about, which is full of archetypes and all kinds of fascinating things. Okay. And then there's visions. A vision is something, it can be dreamlike, but it has, it, you have to do it. 
So whatever the vision is, it's like many people have talked about, you know, going out crying for a vision or receiving a vision, et cetera, et cetera. A vision is something that, that tells you, you must do this, whatever that is. And so one should be busy enough working on one's visions rather than having to worry about dreams. A dream would be like going to the movies and you're watching, you know, uh, an Avengers movie. It's just going to go on and on. You know how it works. They just make up more stuff, right? It's like they want another movie, so they make up more stuff. They just take this this character and this character and this plot from this comic book. Et There's nothing wrong with this stuff. Believe me, I'm not mad at it at all. It's just like that. that's what our consciousnesses are doing. It's just making stuff up. So you go, how in the hell are we going to get Iron Man out of this situation? It's like, okay, well, we'll just put some extra thruster jets on his iron suit that he's flying through Cosmos on, you know, and that's the way kids solve problems. They just, that's, that's the way we play. So it's like, that's how you know it's play. A vision is something that you're receiving that is your agreement that you made. What's your mission here? What is it you're supposed to be doing? And once you discover that, most people run away from it. It's really, it's always something that's really hard to do. Mm. You know, always. It's something that would really require you to manifest something that you cannot do by yourself. Right. All you can do is carry the vision and say, okay, I'm the person that's going to try to do this. And then you have to ask for help. Dreams don't have any of that stuff. There's no interface between you and your dreams where you can go in and say, oh, this is, this is something I need to do, or this is help I need to have. It's just stuff you're looking at. It's like a show you're watching. So it can be a really great show. It can be a very informative show. It's, in, it's interesting to see what's going on in our cosmic unconsciousnesses, but it doesn't necessarily have anything to do with reality. Okay. It's entertaining. Oh, that's interesting. Well, what, so what then would be the, like the consequences of not doing the, the vision? Say you've been, what, how would you say you've been gifted with a vision or you, so like a, a vision has come through you and then you just like kind of not do it? The consequence would be anxiety. Right. Okay. Okay. That, that's the consequence. The consequence is trembling, anxiety, and fear because, you know, it isn't you're doing anything wrong. Visions are really hard to do. Mm. You know, it's really, really hard to do. So the brain cannot grasp how one is going to do these things. And also a vision requires that you start doing something. And quite often the thing that you start doing isn't where you're going to wind up. But the way the brain works, it goes, I don't want to do this, or this is too hard for me, or I don't like this, or I don't like this person that I'm doing this with. You see what I'm saying? Right. It's like you're on a journey, and it's like you're going to bring things in, you're going to let things go, you're going to bring things in, you're going to let things go. And in this way, you move forward. So your vision takes you where it wants to take you instead of you figuring out how you're going to do it. You can't figure out how to do it. That's why it's a vision. Right. Okay. This, they also, I find it gets very complicated sometimes when you think you're on a, a, a path or a set path and then you, you say so you bring things in and you let things go. And I, I don't know, um, maybe I already know the answer to this, but. I'll, I'll listen to what you say about it, but it's, uh, it's like, how, how do you know which are the things to bring in and which are the things to uh, let go of? Because sometimes I find like I've let go of what feels like the wrong thing and then I want to try to bring it back in, but it doesn't quite fit right. And there's all this, yeah, well, all this anxiety as a, as a result. Yeah. Well, the fear that you're making a mistake. When you're not, you can't make a mistake. It's just like, you know, if you're, if you're walking through the woods and there's beautiful stones and you keep picking up stones and looking at them, it's like, you're not supposed to keep the stones necessarily. I mean, you might keep one, but you know, you're, you're, you're just looking, you know, you're looking and you're learning. You say, wow, it's a really beautiful stone. Oh, look. And then something draws your eye to something else. The next thing you know, you're learning but you're not learning because you went to do the right thing. You're learning because you're wandering around looking at things and trying to discover what is it that's here for me? What's, what, what is here to teach me? And some things you put them down gently. Sometimes you throw them away. Sometimes you pick something up and you go, wow, this really scares me. I don't even know what this means. But maybe you'll set it down and ask for some understanding, et cetera, et cetera. This is what we're doing. So mm -hmm. the anxiety is caused by people feeling like they need to be there. Like they need to have the thing. It's not like that at all. It's like you're going to, whatever it is you're doing, you will be doing it for the rest of your life. You know, your age, your experience, the fact that you've done it 10,000 times, 
if if you think you know it all, that's not the right thing for you. Go do something different. Mm. So, you know, in, in our culture, what we do is we find something, we make ourselves believe that we're really good at it, and then we monetize it. This is a different thing than the medicine's doing. The medicine doesn't care about monetizing anything. Not only that, it's a joke to the medicine that we think we know how to do anything well. It's like we know how to do what we know how to do as well as we know how to do it. But it's like compared to the perfection of creation, it's like we're all kind of stumbling around knocking stuff over, you know, breaking <laughs> glasses and putting the garbage in the wrong bin. You know, this is what we do. It's okay with God or whatever you want to call it. It's like, okay, good, good. Keep <laughs> stumble towards the light. That kind yeah. of thing. You know, we're just lurching on. Everybody's just like, why do we think at any juncture that we are the apogee or the nadir of, of evolution. We're nothing. We're just, in, we're in the path. You see what I'm saying? Mm. It's like everybody's job is to move forward. So, you know, mm. if you're feeling anxiety and you're afraid to try something, you should be able to go back and say, Hey, is this going to work for me now? It's like probably won't, but it doesn't make you a bad person because you tried. Mm. You, know, you break up with your girlfriend. You go, oh, maybe I miss her. You know, you get your girlfriend back. You break up again. You see what I'm saying? Is this stupid? It's like if it was a movie, which has to be over in an hour and a half or two hours, it's like there would be a beginning, a middle, and an end. There would be first act, second act, third act. There would be a denouement. Everybody would walk out of the theater going, oh, that was the cutest thing I ever saw, or that was the worst movie I've ever seen. You see what I'm saying? But life's not like that at all. It's just like we're just going, hmm, Hmm, should I? Hmm. And then we're checking in with how we feel. It's like if it's not the right thing for us, then we have to ask for help to let it go precisely because of what you say. The allure of, of having the same thing, the allure of having the same set of feelings that you already know what it feels like. Right. It's very powerful. Stable identity. The allure of forward is really powerful. Because hmm. hmm. everything that's interesting is not here, it's there. Right. Good. I like, I like the way you described that. So there's something else I wanted to discuss, and this was something specifically I, I noticed about you is that you're probably one of the, the most compassionate people I've ever met, and you also seem to have really, really strong boundaries of things that are okay and things that are not okay, um, just from what I've observed. And it, I was just... And... Th and also, you, you see, you seem to have a kind of a, a power to be able to just move forward in life without. I think there's a line in your book about the eagle only takes what what's his or what's for him and leaves the rest. And it seems to be a, a very kind of a, a powerful way to to live in life. And I was wondering if you could say a little bit about the relationships between compassion, boundaries, and power, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Wow, it's a lot of stuff. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, compassion is engendered by our own vulnerability. When mm -hmm. you understand how vulnerable you feel and have felt in the past when things, when you didn't understand something or when, when you felt hurt or when you could not understand why you couldn't move forward or you couldn't understand why you couldn't get the love that you wanted or offer the love that you wanted, all these things, it's like everybody understands those feelings. And so all compassion is, is understanding everybody has these feelings. Mm -hmm. Yeah, It's like how people express having had those feelings. People can be very cruel behind the things that didn't work for them, or they can be very kind, or they could be very shut down, or they could be very you know, externalized or whatever you want to call it. It's like the behaviors don't matter so much. It's just like understanding that we're all at the effect of the same kinds of things. So if that's true, then we can have a lot more patience for people who are upset or people who are confused or people who are, you know, don't know what to do next or people who have doubts and fears and insecurities. And that's compassion. It's just based on our humanity. You know, it's not based on, on any idea. You, know, you can't ideate compassion. You know, compassion is a practice. It's, it's like a way of feeling about people. And the way the boundaries come in is it's not your problem. If you're not doing what they're doing, you know, they're doing what they're doing because of what they're feeling and what they're feeling and what they're thinking. So they can change the way they feel and think. That's up to them. The medicine teaches that. It's like, I'm sorry you feel that way. Would you like to feel a different way? Yes, I would. Thank you very much. Boom. You feel a different way. 
You know, can you maintain those good feelings? No, because human beings don't maintain anything. You know, we are not consistent. That's not the way we are. We're not turtles. You know, we're humans. It's like we're all over the place. And it's part of what makes us interesting. You know, mm. and so boundaries are just a recognition that I'm just going to take care of myself and my container. So my right. container could be just my body or since I've run ceremonies and, and run groups of people, that's my container too. It's like I keep things safe for everybody because everything that's supposed to be in there can come in. Everything that can't be in there, no, can't be in there. It's just like, it's like being able to see with your feeling mechanism, you know, is this helping or is this not helping? Sometimes you can let people, you know, go on a little bit longer than you would like to because you can feel this is helping everybody. Even mm -hmm. if it's not something positive, it could be something really negative. Somebody, you know, sobbing and crying over loss. It's like, you know what? Loss is a human thing. It's like, we don't need to shut it down. Also, we don't need to rationalize it either. It's like people are born and people get ill and people age and people die. It's like, this is a fact and people get very upset about this, even though it's part of creation. So it's like, we need to let people have their feelings about that. Let them find their peace about it. People will decide how they can be peaceful if we let them do that. So in the presence of the medicine, which promotes peace, you know, people are going to make much better emotional and intellectual decisions about what they're doing, which will affect their behavior. You know, mm -hmm. Behavior is what we're interested in. If we, if we can learn to behave well in spite of having hard feelings and challenging thoughts, we will all be more kind, courteous, and compassionate. And everyone, everyone will behave better. Mm -hmm. so this is local healing, which is how I treat you on the macro level. It's like if I'm treating you well and you're treating me well and you can treat this person well, et cetera, et cetera. It's like that's how healing takes place. It doesn't come from the top down. So that's what the problem is with religion. Religion is that it's top down. It's like because God said, because Jesus said, because Mary said, but it was, et cetera, et cetera. It's like that's not going to change anybody's behavior. What's going to change people's behavior is when I change the way I behave towards you or my wife or my daughter or whatever. When I make the change, what's going to happen is I'm going to feel more love. I'm going to be able to give and receive more love. My behavior will change. Her behavior will change. Everybody's behavior will change. And this is the trickle-up theory of human change. So that's why it's like that. The medicine has a formula for how it treats us because we're people, we're not cats and we're not snakes and we're not eagles. It's like it wants us to feel a certain way so that we will continue on that path. And that's, that's what it's doing. Mm -hmm. So I know that's what it's doing. I've been doing this for so long. You know, some people say, oh, you have a lot of faith. I have no faith. I, I believe in observable reality. What I see is people, prayer, medicine, change, everybody's happier and more peaceful. It's like, I can wait for that. I don't need to be the one that affects the change. Yeah, well, it's interesting. It's kind of the the trickle up thing almost reminds me when you describe it that way. It's like a, a plant kind of growing, which seems much more natural as a as a metaphor for the plants kind of growing down. Mm -hmm. Maybe I'm getting a bit lost with that, but <laughs> basically, it sounds like uh, what you're saying there is that the the boundaries issue is more about just feeling into what's for you and maybe going for a kind of an experiment. It's like, what, what are the things that are for me? And then only focusing on that and not worrying or letting yourself get distracted by things that are not for you. That's, I think that was something you mentioned in your book about. Yeah, and nobody's, nobody's finished. You know, you understand mm -hmm. what I'm saying? It's just like, we believe sometimes that the person or people that we're dealing with, that's their final position. It's not, that's not their final position. That's what they're showing you right now. They don't even know if they believe in what they're saying or not. People, I'm not talking about lying. I'm just saying people are making stuff up and some of it may be close to some kind of truth. And some of it is just utter bull crap. You know, and it's just like, it's not necessary for us to be calling people out all the time about what they think. This is what they think. What are they going to do? So what we're seeing is it's like, if I behave with, if I treat you, kindly, even though I'm racked with anxiety, it's like, I'm going to give myself some points for that. Mm -hmm. Me treating you well is going to make me feel better. That's why I do it. Everything I do, I do for my own benefit. You know, it's just like to be centered in yourself, not self-absorbed, but centered in yourself. Otherwise you're going to be centered in somebody else. 
you're going to be trying to figure out about them. You can't know them because what could, what could they tell you that would be an unequivocal truth about them? There isn't any. There's mm-hmm. none. It's just like, we're these little beings. We're here. We're trying to give and receive love. Life's very challenging for us. We're assaulted on all sides by things that really scare the hell out of us. We can't admit we're scared because then everybody else would be scared. We would all be going like this instead of sitting here nurturing our anxieties with thoughts. So it's just like all we're trying to do is decrease the frequency of our bouts with ourselves. We leave ourselves with the burden of our thinking, which doesn't help. It doesn't do anything. Mm. So the, to say like a, somebody who is centered in themselves and they're doing things to be kind because they recognize that it's, it's good for them and good for everybody to do that is quite different from somebody doing, doing kind things to kind of get validation or, or approval from the outside because then when that doesn't happen, um, what could happen is something like resentment or it might foster resentment or things like that. So, I mean, this is just something that, that I've kind of noticed. If you're trying to be kind so you can get something back in return, like some sense of validation or approval, or then maybe that doesn't work quite as well. Or well, what, what are your thoughts on that? Like, what would you say about that? Just that. I mean, just that. Mm-hmm. It's like what you're doing is you're experimenting to see, okay, well, what is kindness for me? What is compassion mm-hmm. for me? So it's like it turns out, that you're doing it for yourself. It's like, because it makes you feel better. If you feel better, mostly other people in your life will feel better. The ones who don't want to feel better will all go away. That's what everybody's afraid of. They're afraid that all the people who don't want to be happy and peaceful in their lives will just go away. If they start practicing peace and happiness and giving and receiving love and being vulnerable, you know, it's just like, it's really, really scary. It's like, what if 75% of your friends leave? You know, because oh, that guy's really weird. He used to be kind of cool, but now he's all about you know, whatever, whatever he's all about. And it's scaring them. And, you know, they're, they're having ideas, opinions, and preferences about you. It's very painful. It's like being tweeted about, you know, suddenly you're right. like, what, I, what, you know, you didn't mean anything by that. But it's like, that's what people are afraid of. That's what causes his anxiety is that, you know, other people will not understand what we're doing. If you don't care, then it's, it, there's your liberation right there. He says, I, you know, I don't know. I'm just doing what I'm doing. You know, if you, if you ask medicine people why they do what they do, they will just tell you, I'm, I don't know. I'm compelled to do this. <laughs> right. It's like, I don't even know what that means, but I've said that to people before, you know, mm. I've said to people that, that, you know, people go, why do you do this? You've been doing this forever. So, I don't know. I'm just compelled to do it. You know, mm. if I start articulating why, it doesn't make any sense. It's just like one thing leads to another, leads to another, leads to another. The next thing you know, you're so far down the road, you're just addicted to being kind. It's fun. You know? And you're addicted to having good boundaries because then nobody messes with you and you don't have to feel like you're being intrusive in anybody mm. else's life. Boundaries are respect as far as I'm concerned. Mm. People come here and it's like, you know, maybe somebody will come to ceremony and they'll be mad at me for 10 years. But in the 11th year, they'll come back and see me and they'll say, God, you know that ceremony I did 10 years ago? That really changed my life. And I was really mad at you, but I'm not mad at you anymore. I know that's how it works because I've been doing this for three decades. Mm. You know, I'm working with the children of people that I worked with years and years ago. It's like, I understand how it works. So it's like somebody being mad at me or having a bad opinion about me, it's just like, I wish they wouldn't. But then again, you know, it's on the it's on the road. It's on the path. Yeah, so and it's yeah okay. And like me, so thinking about that and thinking about the way that people get mad at you for something that's it sounds like more their kind of path. And if if that's something that they need to work out within themselves, um, that sounds like it might be something that's kind of it's not for you to necessarily worry about or think about or react to or have. I guess what I'm trying to say is like if they're mad at you, if you don't have a, a kind of a boundary where you stop that anger from coming in and, and being um, taken on by you, then that inhibits your ability to be kind and compassionate. It's like if, you, if they're mad at you and then you react with anger or shame or, or whatever the 
all of the things that you could react with, then that really inhibits your ability to be kind and compassionate in the moment. So a good boundary would say, I can hear that you're angry or in pain or something like that. And that's really, you know, I'm, I'm just going to be here and be loving and kind towards that because I, I know that that's not my fault per se, something like that. Yeah. And sometimes, you know, it's like you don't even need to, to express to somebody or reflect back to them. It's like, I see you're really upset. They know they're upset. You know, people are really wise, you know, and the, and the great thing about ceremony is like, it doesn't have to be in ceremony with medicine. I mean, I counsel people a lot. There's no medicine. It's just like, we're just sitting there talking. The reflection that they're getting is just that whatever it is that they're going through is whatever it is they're going through. It's not them. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, they're at choice about how they want to feel. If they, you know, if they act out and I defend myself, then they have a reason to act out even more. If they act out and I don't defend myself and I sit there and I just, I don't care. You know, somebody goes, you know, you're a jerk. It's just like, that's a possible explanation for my behavior. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's just like, to not be cynical about it. I don't need, I don't need the validation. I know who I am. So it's like, you know, one doesn't have to be Jesus to understand that one has a human nature and that your human nature is a variable nature. It's like some days you're in a good mood and you're really great. And other days you're crabby and grumpy. And it's like, it's all on the bell curve, you know? Mm -hmm. And it's like, if I can accept that in myself, I can accept it in anybody else. The difference between me and a lot of people, because I'm so old and I've been doing this for so long is it doesn't take me too long to catch up and change my behavior. If I don't like the way I'm behaving, because Mm -hmm. I already know I don't like the way I'm behaving. So, I don't like the way I'm behaving is a much bigger statement. I don't like the way that is, or I don't like the way that person's being. It's just like, I've done that. Whatever it is anybody's doing, male, female, gender specific, preference specific, culturally, it didn't matter. I've already done that. You know, I've been a jerk and I've been a great guy too. So it's just like, I understand that them being a jerk or seeing me as a jerk. That's not who they are. That's just, that's their, their anxiety for one of a better word. Speaking. Like, okay, well, you think you're all that. I do not think I'm all that. So that accusation is not going to work for me at all. It's just like, not really. <laughs> yeah, I'm right. Sorry. Anything that I would have to say, there's not much I can defend. You know, it's just like, what's there to defend? When yeah. you're young, strong, and handsome, you got a lot to defend, you know, and, and God bless you for it. But you're going to let go of things as time goes by because some of the things are not even worth defending. Mm. You know, like, mm. I didn't like your tone. You know, you're going to go, well, I didn't mean anything. Or you're going to go, I'm really sorry. I'm sorry I didn't say that in a better way. Is there a way I could have said that where you could have heard it? Or maybe I shouldn't have said it at all. You see I'm saying? You start to consider your behavior as something you might be willing to change because you want to feel better about it rather than somebody. They're, they're just reflecting. You know, right. it sounds like criticism, but it's a reflection. If you don't like the reflection, don't look in that mirror anymore. Hmm. If the reflection's accurate, well, you go, wow, thank you. Yeah, I really want, I want to work on that. I want to change that. Hmm. I, you mentioned there um, you, you know who you are, and I think this is something that has probably bothers a lot of people. It's like, how, how do I find out who I am? How do I know who I am? And they end up running around in circles looking for who they are. What could well, you say to that? You asked that question. Somebody else asked me that question. I did another podcast the other day and said, you know, it was the same question. It's it's really simple. If mm. if you're if you're giving and receiving the love, even if you're doing it poorly, that's you. The other thing is not you. Mm. You're not the not love. You came from love. You're here because of love. You're going to leave here because of love. If you have children, you'll have children because of love. You know, all the stuff you're talking about with your ancestors and back to the amoebae and the unicellular organisms, et cetera, et cetera. It's like, I'm sorry, it was all about love. It's just like seeking, you know, seeking and seeking and trying to meld and be a part of, et cetera, et cetera. It's very challenging because we're all different. It's like, I can't just because I adore my wife and I would like, you know, to feel sometimes like I'm one with my wife. I'm not one with my wife. She's over there and I'm here and she's having all of her feelings, her thoughts, opinions, ideas, and preferences, and I'm having mine. And so it's like, but how close can we get? We can get close by being vulnerable with one another. Being vulnerable only means my heart is open to her. 
So if, she, if someday she wakes up and she's in a bad mood and she gives me a bunch of hooey about me, it's just like, I have to remember I love her and this is temporary because what we're about is the love. So that doesn't obviate the love. It's like the love's there. We'll just wait. Okay. And then after we wait, we'll, are we going to move forward from this? And we do move forward because we've been doing it for a while. So most people go, I can't move forward from this because you think I'm filling the blank. It's like, nobody cares what anybody thinks about you. It's like, are they going to give you the love? Are you going to give them the love? Right. So the point at which we, we, you know, we break up or whatever is when we, we understand very clearly, I cannot offer the love to this person or I don't feel safe receiving love in the form they're offering it to me because it's scaring me. So instead of worrying about what all that means, it doesn't mean anything. It's like love, not love, love, not love, moving toward the love, more light, more happiness, more peace, moving toward the not love, darkness, confusion, the shadow that everyone's so proud of, you know, it's just like all that stuff. That brings me, um, actually nicely to something you said a couple of years ago, as far as I remember it about doing things in a good way. And it just, it stuck with me for years, actually, the way that you talked about it, because it just seemed, it seemed so obvious at the time. It was like, oh yeah, that really makes a lot of sense. Like if I can do things in a good way, I'll do them. And if I can't do them in a good way, then I'm sorry, I can't do them anymore. And it just, it just cleared up so much confusion. And it's something I've forgotten since, but then no bringing it back to my memory um so yeah i, I really like the way that you describe that uh, doing things in a good way so you have anything any more thoughts on that anything to say about it well it it applies to everything and the great thing about it is it's not a it's a, it, it's a secular teaching as well as a spiritual teaching because the truth is, you know, somebody asks you to do something, you know, somebody wants you to go to the bar and you don't want to go to the bar. You know, maybe you decide you're not drinking or maybe you decide you've had enough for the week, but they want you to go to the bar and they say, you know, come on, come down to the bar, come to the pub. You know, we'll all hang out together. And you say, no, you know, and, and, the, and the correct answer is just like, I would go, but I can't do that in a good way today. But ask me another time. Mm. You see what I'm saying? And they say, what's a good way mean? It's like, if I can't be there with a good heart and a good mind, then I'm not there because who am I serving? You're not serving anybody. Right. You don't want to be there. So therefore you feel resentful or you're there and you drink too much because you don't want to have the feelings of being resentful. You see what I'm saying? Nothing good is going to come of that. And probably there'll be a terrible end to the evening and you'll feel shameful and guilty, which either you like feeling or you don't. If you don't, then you're not going to put yourself in that position. So the complexity is engendered because we don't, we don't choose to do the good way thing. Mm. If I can't be with a woman in a good way, then I can't be with her. It can make me feel any variety of ways. But the good news is if I can be with her in a good way and I can keep moving towards good, it's like there's more love for me and more love for her too. And that's what's fun. Right. Yeah. It actually plays into a little bit about boundaries as well. Um, that was something that it spoke to me about was, um, if I can do things in a good way, then I'll, I'll do them. And that seems to be where like a good way to uh, determine a boundary. It's like, okay, well, I'm, I'm not going to do that. That's not for me because I can't do it in a good way. Yeah. And it, boundary is just a euphemism for exactly what you're talking about. It's like you're the one deciding what you can do in a good way and what you can't. So as you speed up that decision-making process, then you start to notice this is the thing, what it means to say, I know who I am. It means I know I'm not going to do anything I can't do in a good way. So it's like, I start to understand what I can't do in a good way more clearly. It's like, no, nah, I don't do that. So it isn't like, you know, when you're younger, you're going, hmm, maybe I could do that in a good way. You don't know. It's your job, right? What are you supposed to, you're here to experiment. So it's like, right. you know, you say, maybe I can have four wives. I mean, no offense to anybody, but maybe you can. If you can do that in a good way and that's what you want to do, great. But if you can't and you realize, hmm, I can't do that in a good way, you're going to add that to your file of things that you can't do in a good way. Mm. So the next opportunity that comes to say, you're going to go, no, maybe somebody else could do that in a good way, but I can't. So, you know, I don't even say about that. Mm. You end up having less and less to say about stuff, whereas other people are opinionating about it. Well, you know, if blah, 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 this is like, no, it's, it's, it's up to you. Can you do that in a good way or not? Mm. So if you want to call that a boundary, great. <laughs> yeah, I think I'll, I think I'll, uh, 
But I just like the idea of the good way thing. I think that's actually an easier thing for me to, mm-hmm. uh, an easier way for me to think about it. Um, yeah, if you ask anybody, seriously, if you ask anybody, because this happens frequently, somebody mm-hmm. will say, you know, particularly women will often tell me they're confused. You know, they'll say I'm confused. Well, I've been counseling people for 35 years. I've never met a confused woman. I've met women who say they're confused. Okay, so all confusion is is when they understand they can't do something in a good way, but they want to do it anyways. Right. Then they feel confused. Okay, men are the same way, but they're just not going to tell you. you know what I'm <laughs> but the women, they'll tell you. You know, if you, if you ask them the couple of questions it takes to get to that, it's like, well, you know, can you be with that person in a good way? Not really. It's never worked out before. But I have so much hope. It's like, yeah, thank God we all have hope. You know, but you're going to have to prove to yourself that you can't do something in a good way before you quit trying to do it. That's the experiment. So should you know right away? No, you'd be at your, who would you be? You know, you would be, you would be the ultimate shaman. It's like, it isn't like that at all. It's like, we're choosing to see if we can be in, with a thing, a person or in a situation in a good way. If we can't, we move forward. Sometimes it takes a long time to go, I, I really have tried every angle of this to do this in a good way, and I can't. So mm. you know, I'm going to move on. I'm going to move forward. And you might have to ask for help to move forward. Yeah, okay. Um, the, another thing I was curious to hear your uh, thoughts on was things like uh, commitment. So I know commitment is a is a big deal today where we have so many different choices. And I think there's a lot of, like we talked about before, so much anxiety and like the anxiety that comes with so many choices and so many decisions uh, to make. Um, we might have already answered this, but I wonder if we can get another little thread going on. What's your take on, on commitment and how, do you, how would you define it? Um. Well, that's a good question. It's such a bandied about word, you know, and it's like, I'm not really sure what it means. Mm. You know, it's like there's an old paradigm, which is about being dutiful. You know, right. You say, I'm going to do a thing, and then you do it because you said you were going to do it. You know, honor, keeping like your truth, your word, kind of thing. Yeah, keeping your word, et cetera, et cetera. You know, and that's kind of like, I'm not sure how relevant that is when you're talking about loving relationships with other people. So, you know, maybe the paradigm shift is just that instead of looking at it as commitment, we look at it as being fully present and trying to be vulnerable. If you can be vulnerable in a given situation, in other words, be yourself with your heart open and be present, then it's probably a good thing for you. If it if it's so interesting to you that you're willing to suffer a little bit to see if you can make yourself feel a part of and see if you can keep your heart open and be present. That's good. That's you, tra- you training yourself. That's you choosing to liberate yourself from your anxiety. And if it doesn't work out, it just didn't work out. You may not be ready for that, or it may be timing uh, in the sense of you and another person or a situation or a thing not being right timing. And you might come back to it as you mentioned earlier, but truth is it's just recognition recognition that this is for me if it's for you then you're going to follow the path of it and you're going to be making choices the entire way so it's never going to be somebody says you know will you will you stay with me and love me forever okay and it doesn't have to be a person it could be a a thing or a system or a practice it's like i'm going to love you until it no longer serves me or you for me to be in this relationship that's the truth okay it's like nobody is committed forever but everyone is so scared of being neglected or abandoned or hurt. It's like we can't dwell in the happiness there is. There's a lot of happiness available to us. There's a tyranny to this idea that we're now more free than we've ever been. We're not more free. Freedom comes with responsibility. So it's like you guys have too much stuff to be responsible for. You know, there's too many variables. There's too many things that you don't know. There's too many things that you could lift up a rock. Somebody could go, you know, you know, every day somebody who lives, you know, I live in Berkeley and people here, like they go to Bali or they, you know, they go to Costa Rica or they go to Europe and they disappear. You know, it's like, that's the way life is right now. So it's like, that's not the way life is when I was young. You know, if you went to Europe, it was like a big deal. You know, where you went was you went in the army and went to the war. 
So it's like things have really changed. There's a tyranny to that kind of freedom. It's like, yeah, well, I could stay here with you and I could try to work through some of these challenging things or I could go to Bali. Right. Bali sounds good. (laughs) It's like, I don't know if it's commitment. It's exactly what you're talking about. There's a lot of options. So as time as time in your life ticks by, you get to the point, well, yeah, what do I want? Right. What do I want for myself? Then you start to think about, okay, I'm going to stick this out and see what happens. You know, if I can be with this person or in this situation in a good way, then I will continue to do it and I will continue to try to come at it in a better way. If I can't do it in a good way, I'll move on. I'll go to Bali. Yeah, it's like you, you there's things that you'll avoid because if you – you can always kind of do something else. There's always somewhere else or something else or someone else to go and, and be with anything. We're in an experiment. It's like the experiment is like, is this going to work? So I don't know. Is it going to work? Each person who's trying out their variation on the experiment is answering the query. Is it going to work for us to have so much freedom that we can basically do whatever the hell we want to do in any given moment in lieu of something that makes us feel uncomfortable? I don't know. Let's find out. So in in my life, what I found out is having a lot of options is really great, except people are suffering because they just want to give and receive love. Right. So mistaking going to Bali and having a bunch of fun and doing whatever, you know, for the giving and receiving love with other human beings, it's like, it's easy to do because you're feeling really good. The environment's beautiful and, you know, there's a lot of great spiritual stuff there some of it might have something to do with you. But the truth is, it's the giving and receiving of love that's going to make you happy. Everything else is just temporary. Right. Okay. But that's... when you get there, it, it doesn't matter. You know what the form of it is? It doesn't matter. You know, hmm. if you're polygamous and you have, you know, seven or eight relationships and you can do them all in a good way, then God bless you for that. You know? That's your experiment. You're doing really, really well. And maybe you get older and you can't do them because you don't have the energy for it. You see what I'm saying? Then you're going to find your new good way. It's not, you're not making mistakes. You're trying to do things. You're trying to find your good way. You're trying to move forward. That's all you're doing your whole life long. Mm. Yeah. I, yeah. That's a, a, I like the way you described that. I think there's, um, there's something about the, the way that you, you kind of a, approach love almost as like a, a discipline or something that you just it's just it's more like a, a practice and i think you mentioned that before compassion as a as a practice and that tends to uh, work better if you can or at least if you can kind of stick around in one thing and you can practice giving it to that thing that thing has then chance to to grow whereas if you're jumping around from thing to thing to and all of these different choices that we're presented with today and maybe a little bit will grow here and a little bit will grow there, but they don't have that same kind of quality of, uh, let's say, satisfaction or something like that or contentment or fulfillment that you might get from see, watching and nurturing something and seeing it grow over a long time. Yeah, uh, knowing that, that, that what you're doing is you're looking for, for that or those things. Hmm. And so whatever it is, wherever you're looking, it's just like when you go for the walk and you're looking at the stones or the trees or the flowers. It's just like you can look at anything you want to. You can pick it up. You can sit down and rest there. You can try it out. It's like, it's okay. It's not a problem. You're not doing anything wrong. It's not, it's like all it is is that the path that you are on will lead you to your life. Mm -hmm. It's like everything that you pick up and you look at or you spend some time with, it's like you're not failing. It's just like you go, oh, okay, I see. I can't do this in a good way right now. So then you move forward. You move on to the next thing. And then, the anxiety is removed because instead of having to be really good at whatever it is that you've picked in the given moment, you don't have to be really good at it because you don't know what the hell you're doing anyways. It's mm. like you're doing your life. So when you do your life, it's like you're learning how you interact with such and such a person or such and such a situation or such and such a nation or such and such a political situation. It's like then there's your, your point of practice. The things that make you feel uncomfortable are always your point of practice. What are you going to do? Okay. What are you going to do? If you don't know what to do, you could ask for help. You know, if you don't know if you should stay, you could ask, should I stay here? Should I make a clear sign for me? If there's no clear sign, then don't do anything. It's like these options are always available to you. You're not seeking perfection. You're seeking you. You know, you're you 
You're looking for you. You're in there. You're in everything that you touch, everything that you manifest. There's a piece of you in there. It's not the whole you, but it's a part of you. And so in this way, this is how we learn about us all being relations. Uh Every place you go to, every country you travel to, every bit of light you see, every beautiful thing that you see, it's all a part of you. You know, even if you leave that place and never come back, it doesn't matter. It's like you get, you get to keep what you got from it, including the lessons you learned about yourself. So Mm -hmm. it's a continuum. It's not, we're not going A plus B plus C plus D creates this thing. It's, it's a very complex algorithm. And fortunately we're the simplest part of it. Yes. No love, not love. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Good way. Not good way. Uh, It makes things very simple. I think that, Helps yeah. and clears things up to people. The name of the book is a clear and simple prayer. Right. It's, it's not complicated because it isn't. Biologically, we are extremely complicated. And we, we are reading the complexity of our, of our biological entity. And we're saying, oh, my God, I'm so complicated. It's like the good news is you don't need to know anything about your biological entity at all because it works. If you eat broccoli it will turn into more Tom. If you go to the bathroom, something that you don't need will be excreted from your system. You see what I'm saying? This is going on 24 hours a day without you thinking about it at all. Before Mm -hmm. your neocortex evolved, your body was still doing all of this stuff. And you live for a pretty long time. You know, if you live 35, 40 years when there were saber-toothed tigers hunting you, that's pretty amazing, you know, in relative good health. You know, and then you fell off a cliff. It's like, it hasn't really changed that much. So the evolution of thinking is just like, huh, I wonder if there's a tiger behind that tree. Okay, mm-hmm. and then you have evidence. Like, hmm, there's some scratch marks over there. There's some broken twigs. Are those broken tiger twigs? You see what I'm saying? It's like you're trying to in- interpret what's going on, and it makes a lot of sense. Problem is there's no more tigers. We've pretty successfully eliminated the tigers from the bushes. So what are we looking for? Matching the level of fear and anxiety that we had when we were walking around like this, right? You know, with little vulnerable bodies. We start applying it to different things. Exactly. So we're focused on things, you know, like you know, is your girlfriend really a tiger? <laughs> is she actually going to eat your head? You know, maybe, maybe not. <laughs> yeah, but, I mean, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? but it's just like the response is as though that's what's going on. So people go, oh my God, I think you overreacted. We only got the one way to react. So what we're doing is we're teaching ourselves, uh, okay, tiger, no tiger, no tiger. I'm okay. Moving forward here. Right. That's brilliant. That's why we can afford to apologize when we do something stupid or outrageous. We just go, ooh, I'm really sorry. Because that isn't what we meant. Yeah. Yeah. We just meant, oh my God, I'm scared to death right now. It's just like, you know. And that's where all of the anger and things come from on top of that. It's like you, you get yeah. scared and then you, you get angry as a kind of a defense or something like that. Yeah. Mm. All right. Well, any, uh, I think we'll come close to wrapping up there, George. It's been a fantastic interview. I'm really, really pleased to be talking to you. Thank you very much for your time here. Um, do you have any final thoughts or anything to say? Yeah, I think that uh, if people would buy my book at Clearance yeah. which I'm sure you have a copy of. You can get it right here. Yep, at Clear and Simple Prayer, just Amazon it. Search yeah. it. It's a great book. You can open it to anything, anytime, and mm-hmm. you will find it to be extremely helpful. And, I'll clarify uh, that. I, I read next. it every day, so, and I read <laughs> it to my daughter at night, so it's a good book. Yeah, I'm, I'm very happy with this book. Like I was, I was kind of waiting for you to put out something in writing, and I'm kind of waiting to hear more audio stuff by you as well, um, which is one of the reasons I wanted to do this interview. But yeah, I'm, I was really excited to get this and I'm about a quarter of the way in and it's just, it's like little bits of gold everywhere. So very, very pleased with that. So thank you for doing that, George. You're welcome. And thank you very much for your support and for always staying in touch with me. You know, it's great to have a friend like you who's everywhere yeah anywhere at any time you know and the way you stay in touch in such a good way you know you're very clear maleness you know it feels really supportive and strong so thanks for being you tom no thanks george mirrored sentiments over here i really appreciate it thank you okay all the best thank you you too bye-bye yeah great stuff there from george 
what a conversation, what a privilege. Ah. All of the things that are not love and then all of the things that are love and you're made of all of the things that are love and just follow the love basically follow the love and man it's complicated hey <laughs> but something about the way that he talks seems to put it in such simple terms and so that's one of the great gifts he's given uh, to me over the years so this is like the first proper interview that i did with somebody and i think i was a little bit nervous in the beginning and then it became like this opportunity like I could really address a lot of my own personal problems here and I prepared a ton of questions for that interview and I got to several of them but there was so much rich stuff in it that there was just so much stuff to kind of riff off. I guess in the end I kind of moved more towards the direction of here are the things that I really want to know to try to solve the problems in my life. And I called it an interview and I guess it was an interview in some ways but really I think I, think I prefer the, the, the frame of a conversation because I think conversations are far more organic than you can allow stuff to come up and you can allow things to take their own form um, if it's an interview it's a little bit more rigid so I guess that's well I guess let's say that I'm learning lots of things about this but for me I really I really got something out of that I really really got a lot of value out of that and so with any luck you did too and if you didn't then there's not really anything I can do about that maybe you're listening to the wrong podcast going listen to something that you do get value out of and that would be good because it's better that you find what is the right thing for you this is this is vintage george here figure out what's right for you and do that that sounds about right figure out what's right for you a clear and simple prayer for for your life and just taking the pressure off a little bit taking the pressure off you're not making any mistakes you know you're trying to figure things out and you don't know what the hell you're doing and it's like yeah true good all right thanks for watching thanks for listening perception architecture radio